out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello again. This is David Eastall. This is the C86 show. Always, I sometimes say this, we're playing the finest in indie, indie pop. But actually, this is a special one because um, on this occasion, I... I'm going through my archives and came across these uh, three interviews that I did at the V&A exhibition, So You Want a Revolution. This is uh, one that I did at that press night with the legendary Joe Boyd, no less. Anyway, this is it. I haven't edited it. I'm just going to play the whole thing because I'm just going to archive it. So there you go. This is me. This is Joe chatting like old people sometimes do. Take it away. So I hit place to record, otherwise it'll be a bit of a sad day. So yeah, thanks for talking to me. So yeah, could you just give us an idea of um, th- what this exhibition has and entails? Well, I mean, it's immense. I didn't expect anything less, having seen the Bowie exhibition. Right. Uh, and having talked to the curators beforehand a little bit about what they were doing. But it's pretty overwhelming and mm. quite well done. I think really terrific. I haven't put on my headphones and going around it yet. I'm going to try and do that on a quieter day. On another day, indeed, but, actually. Uh, no, it definitely has so much. It evokes so much. I mean, a lot of these things are familiar have been part of our... Yes. You know, it's interesting the, the way modernity kind of starts in the 50s. Yeah. And... Uh, or at least the sort of modernity we recognize now as being modernity. And so a lot of these images don't seem, to me anyway, to be from a distant past. Right. They seem to be just back around the last corner somehow. So that recent... Because obviously, because you, you were sort of... You played quite an amazingly key part of the 60s and the sort of... Yeah, the, you know, I mean, I was around, certainly. For but you produced things. things like Pink Floyd, didn't yeah. you? And then the Incredible String Band, who are these yeah. kind of artists that had yeah. a huge sort of effect on the 60s and sort of the people who especially yeah. bought into... I say bought into, it sounds a bit cheap, but, you know, people who sort of went into the, yeah. those sort of bands were slightly different to the sort of the mainstream as well. So you, you did play quite a, a major part in there. The counterculture. Yeah, well, I was, I was, I was, you know, I was in a good place. I met some really, I mean, John, the late uh, lamented John Hopkins was right. a very important figure. Yes. And I was very fortunate when I first came to Britain in '64 to meet Hoppy. Yeah. And uh, he, I sort of went along with him into a lot of things. London Free School, which is where I met Pink Floyd. And yeah. He and I started the UFO Club together. And, um, he was a really, he was a real mover and shaker. He was the guy who was responsible for so much of what happened in London in that period. Well, I always thought that Hoppy's kind of um, legacy was pretty amazing, actually, because of what he did, and also sort of part of that. Um, 1967 was the sort of 14-hour Technicolor Dream event, yeah. which again I thought was quite a, a watershed moment in the 60s. I remember um, Dawn and. The Alexander Palace coming out and this beautiful spring day and lying on the grass and just watching these hordes of people, you know, pouring out of the Alexander Palace and thinking to myself, wow, 
this is this is getting pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously, having sort of kind of been part of a movement that that was sort of in it in its infancy and was growing, must have been quite extraordinary to see it sort of go from that, like you said, from '64 to '69, '70 in a space of such a short time. It must have been quite an extraordinary experience to see that. Yeah, it was. I mean, and and of course the. You know, we were naive enough to think it was going to carry on. Right. And of course, uh, by 68, 69, it was sort of, had been, in a way, you know, you could look at it one way, you could say that the counterculture had influenced the mainstream. Yeah. But you could also say that the mainstream commercial world had co-opted the counterculture. Yeah. And it was probably somewhere in between the two. Absolutely. But I think uh, there was a lot of disillusionment with the fact that it, so much of the music and the, the drugs and the clothes and the attitudes went mainstream and rather than be celebrating it, mm. a lot of us were kind of crushed that it had become so widespread and seemed to have so little political impact. Right. Because you've also got the sort of, because you came from America, came to London, you know, London, England. Did you sort of have that quite a, a kind of a view of what was happening in San Francisco, the New York scene, and then obviously the London scene? Because each of those three, which are quite major, were all quite different as well, weren't they? Yeah, and there was a feeling, I think, in Britain that, uh, you know, I mean, God bless Harold Wilson, you know, he kept Britain out of the Vietnam War. But it meant that you felt like when you went to America and you saw the clashes over the war, you saw the clashes over racial conflicts, the assassinations of major politicians, you felt coming back to Britain that you were coming back to a nice sort of polite little sideshow yeah. <clears throat> where yeah. the, the really big issues of the day were being confronted in America yeah. uh, rather than here. But, you know, nonetheless, I think what, what culturally what went on here reverberated throughout Europe, reverberated back to America. And so it wasn't, it wasn't really a sideshow, but sometimes it felt that way just because of the political... Right. Uh, sort of the, you know, the light touch <laughs> of the revolution here compared to the violence and... and Absolutely, what was going on in America. Because it was quite also, well, just going back slightly to the music side, I suppose it was quite interesting seeing the Pink Floyd, and, you know, compared slightly to the Grateful Dead, and the fact that, but their, their influences were quite different, weren't they? Whereas the Grateful Dead was much more bluegrass country folk, the, the sort of Pink Floyd was much more avant-garde. Did you, when you were producing those kind of first singles, did you sort of um, have much influence on what they were doing, or did you realise that they were quite off the, off the radar? Well, I loved what they were doing. I didn't. It wasn't a question of really debate. I mean, we discussed the best single, and we did all agree that Arnold Lane was a, a good choice. Although we didn't, we were a bit blindsided by the fact that the BBC banned it at one point, right. um, which wasn't really something we expected. I think, but um, uh, I think, you know, in looking back, it wasn't something that I was analyzing, you know, stepping back and analyzing right. at the time, but um, I think uh, looking back now you can see how revolutionary Sid Barrett was with the way that he, in a way, I mean the very name, they started out as uh, a blues band or trying to be a blues yeah. band. 
and that was what most British groups were doing. They were very much singing in an American accent uh, with black American inflection. A bit like the story, yes. And, um, and, you know, Sid was singing, you know, like British nursery rhymes, you know, and music hall and, yeah. and uh, uh, quite very different, very removed from, from American sensibility in terms of lyrics, in terms of the way that he sang, and in terms of the chord changes, you know, that, which were much more European, much fewer blues chords in their music. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, I mean, David Bowie has gone on record as saying that uh, Sid changed his life, uh, that he, hearing Arnold Lane, he, that was the first time he'd heard somebody really sing an Englishman, just sing the way they talked. Yeah. And it freed him, it liberated him, and I think it liberated a lot of British and European uh, artists to, to kind of not be so enslaved to an American aesthetic. And, uh, and the very name, Pink Floyd, is, 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 is sums it all up because you know, it's, it's the first name of two blues singers, very obscure blues singers. Right. And he just picked them up off the liner notes of a record and put them together like a cut up, you know, an avant-garde yeah. move, like an art, because he was an art student and he was very influenced by Rauschenberg and you know, the American collagists. And, and the very name of the group was a collage. Yeah, yeah. And, and a distancing from the earnest, you know, Eric Clapton, John Mayall, <laughs> you know, yep. um, uh, approach to reverence for American blues records. You know. Absolutely. And also just going fast forward a few years when you were working with the um, incredible string band, obviously they had one of those moments at um, the Woodstock Festival. What was it like working with those guys? It was fantastic. I mean, I loved working with them until, <laughs> um, you know, they became Scientologists and it became a little more difficult. Right. And I always say that, the, that I don't regret, you know, you don't look, as Dylan said, don't look back. You don't have regrets. But I do have one, you know, which is when we were at Woodstock on the Friday night and it started to rain. I mean, the atmosphere was fantastic and it would have been so great to have them on stage that night. Yeah. But they used amps in those days and they had a sitar and there was only just the tiniest of covering on the stage. The rain was blowing in and that's my real regret is that I didn't force them out onto the stage and do their set on Friday night because mm -hmm. they might have ended up in the Woodstock film <laughs> yes. Life would have been very different. A bit like Joe Cocker, it was one of those yeah. moments, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, look, Joe, thanks ever so much. Okay. That's Pleasure. great. Yeah. Okay. And that was me talking to Joe Boyd at the exhibition So You Want a Revolution. That was at the VA quite a few years ago. Anyway, this is David Eastall, the C86 Show. If you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just go to at C86 Show. And also, I'll be in archiving these a long time um, yes yeah, so you can find those on podbean um, spotify itunes mixcloud just go to c86 show it's all there anyway have a great week <laughs>